Welcome back in Frankfurt, Deutsche Goldenmass with Mining Stock Daily. We're going to continue once again, Fireweed Metals. Fireweed Metals trades on the Venture Exchange with FWZ and on the OTCQB with FWEDF. And obviously sitting then across the table is CEO Brandon McDonald. Brandon, welcome back. Uh, thanks for having me here in Germany. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> it's funny, sometimes you have to travel around the world to actually see people in person. Yeah, sit down. Sit down. Um, let's get a general sense. I mean, you are actively, you've been actively marketing here on the ground in Europe for the, I think the last week, right? Yeah, since uh, uh, Wednesday, the week before. So I've been yeah. here about uh, 12 days now. Yeah. And what is, uh, you know, I mean, how do you kind of summarize the conversations? Great. You know, so we started in Sweden and we actually started in Sweden for a couple of mine tours there. Uh, yeah. um, had, uh, you know, the privilege of Lundin Mining and Boliden inviting us to check out their operations on back-to-back -back days. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, a couple of good zinc mines there, uh, which was super educational. Um, had a lot to take away from it. And um, What did you take away? Um, you know, it was interesting to see, uh, you know, Garvenberg or, or Jarpenberg, as they might pronounce <laughs> it, uh, um, which I was corrected today by a Swedish guy, um, he called the most modern mine in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so very high degree of automation, remote operation, um, you know, just kind of that operational excellence and, and what does that look like and, and just a really superb facility there, right? So mm -hmm. um, it was you know, made us think a lot about, for example, our last PEA, I mean, not surprisingly, uh, 2018 or whatever, we we didn't include um, any possibility of remote operation, for example, and all the cost savings and operational benefits that come with that. Mm. Um, but we think about a mine like that, that uh, has been effectively remote, I think, since I think they kicked it off in 2017, and is basically fully remote now. So by the time we're in production, you know, which is by the time we get through all the engineering and, and you know, permitting and stuff like that, this is not going to be cutting edge technology. It isn't cutting edge now, right? Like this, right. Is, this is really established technology. Um, so it kind of got us thinking, should we be integrating this into our, our studies, right? Uh, you know, I think some people maybe fairly make the point that a, that a PEA is not the place for optimizations, that, that it should be a pretty basic mind plan. But I wonder, isn't I think remote operations can be considered basic now, right? Like it's, it's probably, I mean, I, you could also make the argument that you don't need to go terribly too much depth about the mine operation and PEA because it's such a snippet or an early snippet of a mine yeah. way earlier than when you do that, even go through a yeah. feasibility. But, but if you're going to try to integrate a cost savings, then you should make it clear that you've integrated that in, in the sure. study. Right. So, sure. but then it also got us thinking about, you know, advantages they have that we can't replicate things like um you know at both mines you've basically in rural sweden you've got employees who drive home at the end of the day yeah um, some bike to work right yeah, yeah, yeah. um and in a remote canadian operation that just doesn't happen right so so you know we have they don't neither of them have neither of those mines have camps right they mm -hmm. um there, there's a canteen but you have to pay for lunch, right? So most people pack a lunch, right? They, they yeah, eat yeah. their own breakfast and dinner at home and, and you don't have to fly them in. So they, these are like operational savings that are mode operation like us. It's just, there's no way to replicate that, right? right? Um, so, you know, that, you know, that was the thing that kind of, it stimulated some thought on like, okay, 
are there bits of that you can try to take? Is there, is there some way to replicate something like that, right? And it made us realize the importance of employee loyalty, like a fly-in, fly-out operation. Um, you know, a lot of workers, like your haul truck driver, if they're flying from Prince George and they're either going to Mac Pass in Yukon or they're going to, you know, Fort McMurray or they're going to Ontario or whatever the fly-in, fly-out operation is, the end of the end of the shift, they're coming back to Prince George, mm-hmm. and they will leave that job for one dollar more an hour elsewhere because it doesn't matter, right. right? And so when you've got the employees who are biking to work or whatever, their families are going to school, their kids are going to school nearby, so they're very much embedded in that mind. That's why you see all, the, all these employees there at all levels of the operation, from like basic maintenance up to geologists who had been there 15, 20, 25 years, right? Right? You know, and maybe you know at, at like Gartenberg, you know, the the it's been operating since. Uh, 400 BC, right? So, right. so you've got like multi-generational uh, people there, right? So that's, uh, you know, something that we realized, how do we, is there a way to get that kind of, I don't want to say loyalty, but... Devotion. But, yeah, devotion, like, yeah. but you know, like loyalty is a two-way street, right? right. So, so does loyalty to these FIFO employees, you know, somehow create loyalty back, right? Mm-hmm. What's What's the way that you can you can get that so that you don't lose that brain trust. So, you know, with such a high turnover, right? Um, right. So, uh, you know, it was like super interesting. And I, I think that's, you know, I think it's something that maybe explorationists don't think enough about is like that long-term stuff. And, and I think you don't want to get too deep into those, you know, thoughts because we're not operators. Uh, I mean, I mean, like both as a company and as individuals, we're not necessarily operators, right? So mm-hmm. um, that may be like you know someone else's problem. But but um, any anything any seeds you can plant for the future, you know, particularly if they're easy, if it's like a, let's just you know start thinking about this or whatever, right? You know, talk about um, you know I mean, this is you're looking pretty far ahead into the future here, but these are kind of developed developed ideas that have been as now as you're able to establish them mm-hmm. just the that thought process because of because ever since the, the lendings came in it seems like it's opened a number of doors so where you can now start thinking about this type of stuff where yeah. i say maybe a year ago there's no way you're having this conversation well and it, it, what's what's you know a year ago or or whatever it, it's diff- it was difficult to think 18 months let alone, you know, 18 years. Right. Right. You know, so I, I think that um, having that funding, both both that funding package, which was kind of a multi-year funding package, as well as having that security, knowing that, you know, as if we're delivering, like if the project's delivering, the lending family's there to keep putting money in, right? Right. And, and with them comes in a lot of, you know, sophisticated long-term investors who will co-invest. Right. So it, it, it allows you to start thinking longer term. And, and, and the microcosm of that in our project right now is that right now, you know, it just snowed up at Mac Pass recently, uh, fortunately. And so, you know, we just put on an operational update and, and literally the day before I sent that news release out, I changed the expected mobilization. I originally said mid-May. I just struck that out and just said May. Yeah. And literally because that recent snowfall, we're like, we don't know we can get into camp. Mm-hmm. And uh, because the, the existing camp, uh, we inherited from HUD Bay, the location, uh, bless their hearts, it's in an avalanche zone, yeah. right? So like early season, particularly early season, more early than late because, you know, late season, like in the fall, there's not enough snowfall to have avalanche concerns. Yeah, yeah. But, but in kind of like a March, April, May, there is. Um, 
so the challenge was we never had the capital to to move or build a camp in a better location and so finally that was really you know a discussion with the lundin family about like what are our constraints and a big constraint was that we have a a two and a half to three and a half month field season because our camp is not properly winterized and it's in a location that is just not safe for winter operations. So that means committing a couple million bucks this year to a new camp, mm-hmm. right? And it's just, just without that, that is such a tough decision to make in most years. You know, when, you, when your budget's six million, two million for a new camp, instead of increasing your drill meters 50%, like your, right. a lot, most of your shareholders would, would you know, throw you out if you did that right right so finally being able to make long-term decisions and, and now we're set up for success this year but we're also set up for success in 2024 and every year after because now we're looking at instead of a three-month program going forward maybe it's a six-month program right and and, and everything all the operational efficiencies news flow execution speed in terms of getting to pfs or fs with that yeah. all are all improved because we're able to spare that extra two million bucks now. Well, and it probably it, going back to employee loyalty or devotion. I think in building and putting in a new camp, you you could increase you know the employees you have now, and and I think they'd be happy people. Yeah. Right. Not that they were dishappy, but no, no. But. Well, and and you know we're I think we recognize we're now the the largest employer in the local community close to us. I'm but sure. We're, we're the largest. In, in people, but probably not in person days. Sure. Because we're only for three months a year, right? So, um, you know, that that community being stuck on seasonal work is not great for the community because it's a long winter of not oh, yeah. doing a lot, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so being able to say like, hey, look, we're expanding the opportunity for you from three months to six months is literally twice the opportunity, right? And, right. and you know, these, these field jobs are pretty well paid. And so, you know, there's a real chance that they can kind of then, okay, I can make it, you know, this is actually comfortable to get through winter without having to work again, right? So right. If, you, if you work hard enough during that six months. So, you know, that's another, it, it's like a operational thing, but it can be a social license win being mm-hmm. able to do it that way. Um, I, I did have a follow-up question. This is a little bit off-topic, but I've been wanting to talk to you about it anyways here on the podcast uh, regarding f- Western federal governments, United States, Canada, stepping in and supporting critical material projects. And what type of opportunity does Fireweed Metals have with that Mac Tongue project? I mean, is there some options to look for federal funding have you been approached from any federal government about mac tongue and its supply of tungsten um you know general sense about i guess it's an open-ended question where is opportunities there yeah well it's interesting i mean so first even to clarify you know zinc is also a critical mineral but you know i think the urgency on tungsten is a lot higher right? right and and um the u.s government basically their top two priorities in terms of metals or, or critical minerals are, are rare earths and tungsten. Um, meanwhile, in Canada, you know, they've got this new critical mineral. They've got 32, uh, you know, minerals defined as, as critical, and there's a shorter list of 12 for which the critical mineral expiration tax credit is available. And tungsten's on the long list, but not the short list. Mm. And it's like, are you not talking to your neighbor? Because your neighbor has that as like one of their top two priorities, and yet you're not working 
to stimulate that exploration in, in Canada. Um, I mean, not a big deal for us because, uh, you know, Mac Tung's super advanced. We may not do any exploration drilling this year. And we're not doing a lot at Mac Tung that um, is flow-through eligible anyways. So this is not like a super big deal. Um, but it, it is kind of shows the disconnect. These governments are maybe not necessarily talking enough to each other about what their respective priorities are, okay. right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, one person who just, just left the U.S. Uh, government and was in, involved in their critical, you know, mineral push there, um, you know, said to me that, you know, Tungsten has all the market dynamics of rare earths, just three percent of the attention, right? Yeah. And then you know, so there, it seems it seems that like investors and and the market, there's this push for these rare earth processing facilities in the U.S. and, right. and you know, we all can name, you know, I mean, maybe not a dozen, but, but we all know these various rare earth projects around North America that, you know, that are, you know, getting traction and stuff like that. But it's like, how many tungsten companies can you name that are getting traction? Yeah. Right. And, and, and yet this has all the imperatives of the rare earth space. Right. So that's, you know, allowed us to have early, but, but interesting conversations with the U S government. Mm-hmm. You know, we see some both near and long-term opportunities to receive funding from the U S government. Um, their system is a little more mature than Canada's. I think it's been in place a little bit longer. There, there's a defined process yeah. for how you get access to their capital. Um, Canada has this um, you know, new pool of, of funds for this. Uh, it's a little more nebulous how you access yeah. that. And yeah, I, think, yeah. I think if you talk to like a NRCAN, Natural Resources Canada, I think they will admit that it's because it hasn't been defined yet. It was just announced and then there has to be some time for them to to work out the details, right? Yeah, um, yeah. We would like to, you know, a lot of that's earmarked for infrastructure. And, you know, I think we, we're getting progress on the road to our project, great. Uh, you know, I, I, a big push for me would be, you know, some assistance or, or outright, and you know, them to enable and pay for a power line, I think would be essential. Yeah. It's not just an OPEX thing uh, and CAPEX thing. Um, it's, um, you know, we want to be the lowest carbon intensity we can. I think we recognize that's part of being a future-facing mine. Plus, if you have grid power, you start looking at electrification of all sorts of things that that's not an option if you're LNG right. or diesel based, right? Mm-hmm. All right, um, we're we're going to be touching base uh, probably again here relatively soon. You announced a sixteen thousand meter drill program for this year at uh, McMillan Pass. Uh, five drills secured. It's yeah. going to be a big year, but uh, uh, that's all the time we have, unfortunately, because we could keep going. But next time we will talk about what the drill strategy looks like this year and what you're going after. So we'll do that soon. Yeah, we'll leave you, leave the audience wanting more. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Yeah. All right. That's Fireweed Metals and CEO Brandon McDonald. They trade on the venture with FWZ and on the OTCQB with FWEDF. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.